This episode of React Podcast is brought to you by reacttraining.com. In-person, hands-on training for development teams from React community leaders and experts. Visit reacttraining.com to learn more. This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. And today I have the privilege of talking with Michael Jackson. Uh, you know him as the host of React Podcast, but this is going to be his first time as a guest. Uh, he's the owner of React Training, uh, maintainer of React Router, and creator of Unpackage. How are you doing today, Michael? Dude, I'm doing awesome. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. It's funny to be uh, normally be the host and now be in the guest seat. How does it feel to be a guest? Do you feel... Uh like no. the lights are lights are on you. you no, feel it feels relaxed? good. It feels good. Yeah, no, I, I I do actually. I um, it's kind of funny. Uh, I feel like sometimes as the host of the podcast, like I have these thoughts about like, and I've mentioned it several times on episodes with other people. I'm like, oh yeah, that's how. That's we did that in React Router, and then I was like, oh wait, I'm talking about myself again. <laughs> I should probably talk about talk about this person who's on the podcast. And um, I imagine it's hard to turn off when you're like. Thinking oh. about that all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Because like, you probably just closed yeah. an issue on something or like yeah, having a conversation, then you turn the podcast on and you can't get it out of your head. Well, and, and we always interpret things that other people say in the light of our own experience, right? Yeah. So like as somebody else is talking to me, it's like, how am I interpreting this thing? Oh, uh, based on all stuff that I already know and understand. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it is. It's hard to turn it off. It's just part of who I am, I guess, at this point. <laughs> so um, I wanted to know... How did you get into uh, programming? How did how did you start? Did you always know you're going to program, or was there a moment no. where you're like, "I'm switching to this thing"? It no, sounds I, awesome. I remember very, very clearly. Actually, I was in college, um, so I, I had done a little bit of code before that point. Um, in high school, I had like a GeoCities page. I remember being mm-hmm. very, very proud of that. It was actually a, a um, it was a guitar website. And I basically just had a bunch of links to all of the different, uh, you know, guitar manufacturers and people who are making strings and people making pedals and like all sorts of, um, you know, accessories and stuff. Cause I'm really into music. And, um, and, and it was, it was just basically a collection of links. Like there wasn't really anything else to the site. Kind of like just, the internet at that time, really. Yeah, ex- exactly. That was what the internet was. And so it was like a, it was like a, Hey, I like to play guitars. If you like to play guitars, here's links to all this cool stuff. Um, and that was, you know, page on GeoCities, but I, I didn't, it, you know, it was just HTML, a little bit of CSS. I remember I got like, I got a little bit into the graphics and stuff and made like a cool banner for myself. Um, but, Did but you it have was like some rounded corner, uh, like, uh, Photoshop cutups. So you yeah. get those nice rounded corners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it, you know, what was interesting actually is, um, GeoCities actually had a, like a forum where you could go and get help with your website. Really? Yeah, it, it, it was amazing, actually. I, I don't, I mean, I guess maybe the modern equivalent would be like Stack Exchange, maybe. But okay. But this guy, well, I, there were a couple of people there. There was one guy who like actually made, he was just making banners for free for people. Wow. Just, just to practice. And so he was just like, I was just like, hey, man, I, I need a banner. And he was like, I mean, he got, it, he got me this great looking banner within like a week. There was another guy there who who knew a lot about um, Perl, and one of the cool things with uh, GeoCities was you could drop in your own like Perl scripts. Nice. And so I had like a little guest book, and 
and it, and the the guest book was literally just a Perl script that you dropped into the CGI bin, <laughs> and then you put a form on your page and said, you know, the action of the form was that Perl script, and then and then uh, and then somehow the comments I, I don't remember exactly how they showed up on the page, but it it was cool like getting into programming like that because I I didn't I wasn't actually writing code at that point, but I was kind of piecing things together from other people who were more mm-hmm. experienced who were kind of helping me out with it. I, I really have fond, fond memories of, of GeoCities. It's a shame that like nothing quite like that exists there isn't, today, I feel there like. There isn't. That was, so I, I did a little bit of uh, PHP in the yeah. early days and that experience was so fun. And yeah. and I had wanted to do Ruby because it seemed like that was the hot thing that was taking off yeah. um, at the time. But there's something fun about saying, I want to do this thing and you can do it all in one file that you just mm-hmm. upload to your server mm-hmm. um, yeah. as opposed to like having a framework. And I mean, now it seems like yeah. everything has a build step and yeah. You, I, you said you did PHP. Um, did you, did you ever do code igniter? I did. Yeah. Dude. I built, I built a one site. It was like a uh, company that did classic car restoration, yes. I think. And yeah. I built a little, uh, I don't know, CMS type thing Dude. for them to be able to post their, their cards. Or Co- code igniter was Awesome. It was like, awesome. It, it, it did everything. Yeah. You, like if you needed to resize image thumbnails or you needed to send an email yep. or you needed yep. to like yep. communicate with your MySQL database, whatever you needed to do, it, you just had like this one global sort of thing. Yeah. And, and you were just like code igniter, do this code igniter, do that. <laughs> it was awesome. It was. It, it, and now I look at building websites and I'm like, oh man, it's a lot more complicated than that. It is. But, it is. Um, I mean, the stuff we're doing is a lot more complicated too. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so that, that was kind of how I got, I got started back in the day was I did a lot of, uh, you know, start out with just HTML and CSS. Then, um, then I got, I actually got into a lot of PHP when I was in college. That was my, uh, that was kind of how I, um, what were, what were you studying? Started like writing real code. So I was studying, uh, information technology okay. at, uh, BYU. It was a brand new program at that time. Um, and, uh, and then I, I, actually switched over to information systems, which is a little more of a business focus, but I, I somehow got a job, uh, just writing PHP coding for the visual arts department on the BYU, um, on the BYU campus. So it was an on-campus job. Um, and you know, it's funny is because the only, the only reason I applied for the job is because it was the highest paying job on campus. So it was $12 an hour, Nice, which, um, as you a know, college student. Yeah, exactly. And compared to, it. compared to, exactly compared <laughs> to most of the, uh, most of the other jobs on campus were like 10 or less. And yeah. so I didn't really know how to code, but I applied for it and they're like, yeah, sure. You seem sharp. Like you can do this. So I kind of taught myself PHP and JavaScript, um, kind of on the job there. Um, yeah. and I really got into, uh, some of the first things I did was I, I really got into this thing called, uh, MooTools, which a lot of people, a lot of people know. I, I actually had it. Funny story. I actually had um, commit rights at one time to the MooTools repo. Nice. Um, and this was like just when it was brand new. Like they had just moved off of MooFX, and uh, and I was I was I was writing some code in MooTools, and we were we were uh, managing everything in Subversion actually at that time. And uh, I, I was I was kind of. Uh, I was young. It was the very first project that I had ever been involved in. Very first thing I'd ever done, uh, open source project. And I, I think I, I pushed it a little too far because one day I, one day I was like, you know, I've written so much code for this 
that like, I'm basically one of the authors too, right? <laughs> so like, like there was this other guy who, who had written a lot of the code. He's an Italian named uh, Valerio Proietti. And he had done a lot of uh, code on it. And, and I had one commit where I was like, I added my name to the copyright line. Oh, so it was like, that's bold, <laughs> bold. It was so, it was so stupid of me, but, but, but I was a notification, but I felt five minutes later that you were off. I was off the project. (laughs) I I felt some ownership of it though. I was like, you know, I've been writing a ton of code for this thing. Like I'm one of the authors now too, you know? And, um, I just, I didn't realize that that's not, that's not how it works. Um, and so next morning I woke up and Valerio was like, no, no, you're not committing any more code to this repo. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. and so that was, yeah, that was the point where I was like, oh man, I screwed it up. Um, but you know, what was funny is, um, the jQuery, the jQuery guys were always like showing up in the Mutools forums okay. and it was hilarious because the Mutools, we had a kind of a verbose syntax, like mm-hmm. we, you know, we were extending the element prototypes and stuff like that. And so it was like you know, element dot, you know, do something dot something else. Right. Oh and, yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's where the smush problem comes from. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, Cause it's, they were extending the array prototype yeah. and all the, all the built-in prototypes. And, um, um, it, it, and so it was like very verbose. And then the jQuery guys would come along and they would be like, check it out. Dollar sign animate. <laughs> and we were like, Oh, those guys, they have such a slick API, but it's not like, Oh, those guys. And it it was so, it was so funny because, um, like deep down I was like, yeah, jQuery is probably the thing. Like he, he nailed the API with jQuery and, and the story around extensibility and stuff like that. And, uh, and so then I just started using jQuery when I got kicked off of Moodle's. But, uh, but yeah, I know where to go. Yeah. I was just like these guys, you know, I kind of had a hunch that these guys were onto something all along. I'm just going to go over here and use this. So was that your first experience with open source? That that was actually my first experience with open source. I, um, how did, how did you dive in? Like, did you know somebody on the team or you just, uh, created an issue and they're like, here's how you could fix it. You know, I just showed up in the forums and just started talking to people and like helping them through their issues with their Mm -hmm. code. Um, there was one, uh, there was one, you know, and, and, and I had ideas for things that I wanted to do. Like yeah. for example, um, Mutools, we had this, um, you know, we had the dollar sign function, but it was only for selecting an element by, uh, ID. Mm-hmm. And then jQuery came along and they're like, you can put a CSS selector in there. And so you can, you know, select elements a lot more easily. And I was like, Oh, you know, we should probably have something like that. Cause that's a really nice API. Um, yeah. that's just probably a way better API than selecting stuff by IDs. And so, um, you know, so I built like this big regular expression. I honestly probably just like copied a lot of what they were doing in, in jQuery, but I built this big regular expression for like chunking through a CSS selector. Um, and, uh, and then so we could do so we could do that kind of thing. I remember another one that was really big back then was um, uh, EXT JS. Yeah, yeah. And the, and he had what was that guy's name? Ah, oh, anyway, he he had like he came out with a benchmark one day and just blew everybody yeah. away because he was he what he was doing was uh, the rest of us were um, we were building engines that would like parse the selector and then you know, essentially compile the selector at runtime and then go and select all the elements that you needed. Uh, but he, what he was doing was he, he had compiled the selector down to a function using like eval essentially. Like yeah, he was, yeah. he was building JavaScript, uh, strings 
and then evaling that. And so he had like this, this function that was fine tuned that would only do the minimal amount of work necessary to select all of those elements, you know? And, and I remember him coming out with that benchmark and just being like, wow, this, this guy is really fast. And that, that was EXTJS. And, and yeah. I don't know. It was, it was just a fun time. It was a fun time. Dean Edwards was doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, of course, John Resig. And, and there were a lot of people who were just, you know, just experimenting. Sam Stevenson, obviously with prototype, a lot of people just sort of experimenting with JavaScript. So yeah, yeah. that was, that was kind of the time when I started to really get into coding. And it was just, again, cause I had that, uh, I had that job coding on campus. It's really interesting as you talk about those, um, kind of three factions or like those or four yeah. kind of competing libraries. Yeah. Um, seems like you have one that's kind of like trying to just extend what the browser's already doing. Prototype. jQuery yep. that is... Uh, Completely replacing the browser replacing API. Replacing the browser, yeah. giving you a more uh, kind of consistent API, mm-hmm. um, something that, that feels right all the time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, ext.js, which is just mega fast. Like that's yeah. the feature. And it seems like those are those are the things that we still kind of compete on today. Yeah. Almost. Like if you look yeah. at the, the landscape, even in React, there's like a what Preact, which is, you know, very like small and kind of performancey yeah react which kind of like defines that like api and then you got like the web components polymer camp yes just like use the platform use the platform right? and then you've got like the uh um i guess uh you know i guess I, I i tend to kind of lump angular and Vue together because they both use templates and things like that yeah. so they're they're kind of like uh yeah they're kind of like the the template camp i guess and ember is, is in there with them too like the handlebars angular yeah. Anyway. So what was the first thing that you open sourced on your own? Uh, so my first open source project was something called Shadowbox. Which, you used it. Which has fallen into... You used it? I did. Yeah, right on. I did. We were talking to Ken. He used it the other day, too. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was 2008. So that was 10 years ago. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, I, I had seen the very first Lightbox by a guy named Lokesh Dakar, I think was his name. Um and uh, he built this thing called Lightbox, and and you know it was just you'd click on an image and then it would pop up and it would animate and show this image on the page and I was like wow that was amazing, um, and I was working like I said I was working for the visual arts department at BYU and we had a lot of you know pictures and things that we wanted to show so I wanted to show them in a nice kind of Lightbox, um, except we also had students who were applying to like the animation program yeah. Um, you know, and they had, they had like movies and stuff that they needed to show. Um, and so I needed to put a movie in there and I couldn't figure out how to put like a quick time movie into the light box. Um, and, and so, you know, so that was kind of, so then I wrote my own little script basically that would make a little light box and you could put a movie in it. And then I was like, what the heck? Like you should be able to put anything in here. Cause then (laughs) students would show up with like Swift files. So they wanted to put flash stuff in there. So I was like, okay, fine. Put a flash file in your, in your light box. Um, you know, put a, put an iframe in there and show us your website, you know, like show us like whatever you want basically. And, uh, so, so I built this thing called Shadowbox and I put it up online and, uh, I, I don't still maintain the website today. Somebody else bought the domain and like, there's this weird variation, like this weird twisted variation of what yeah, I had. It, it does seem super weird. Are, yeah. So my question from that is, are your initials, your middle initials J and I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they at least kept all of the Yeah, uh, like they kept my name on there, but then there's like some weird there's some other weird stuff on there. I need to I need to contact them and be like, yeah. dude, this is part of my legacy. What the heck are you doing? This is weird. But it's yeah, the first I need thing to, I ever made. Come on, yeah, show yeah. some respect. Yeah. yeah. So that so that was the first thing that I ever open sourced. And um it got huge because um 
Ray Bango, now at Microsoft. He uh, he was running a blog back then called Ajaxian. Yeah. With uh, Ben Galbraith and Dean Almer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, uh, it got posted to Ajaxian one day and it was like the, rest, blew was, up. the rest was history. Yeah, yeah. Ajaxian was the thing, man. That was, That's that was where you where would go I to. Saw it. Yeah, that yeah, was where you yeah. would go to find out all the news about everything that was going on. It was such a good blog, such a good resource. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So how does, uh, as an entrepreneur, you're running React Training, yep. uh, owner of React Training, uh, teaching, uh, gracious supporter of the show. Um, how does the uh, relationship of open source and your business work? Because you're doing a history, yeah. React uh, router, I yeah. got a couple... Smaller projects, but those are probably the two two big ones. Yeah, yeah. Right now, so uh, so yeah, I, I work on uh, the history library and React Router, kind of those two uh, kind of paired together, like the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Unpackage, which is kind of its own own thing right now, but um, but that's open source as well. And so what I do right now is, um, you know, I do I do training full time, which means I'm traveling a lot. So I go and I'll train uh, different companies on uh, on React. I offer two courses on React right now. So there's like a fundamentals, React fundamentals course, and then an advanced course. Uh, the fundamentals course is just like an intro to React. And then the advanced course is like patterns for code reuse mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and I, I, I spend kind of probably about half my time doing that. And then the other half of my time I spend uh, writing code and, and pushing to GitHub. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I split half my time. And the, and the reason for the company honestly is, um, you know, I started the company originally with, with Ryan Florence and, uh, we started the company because, uh, because of React Router, because it was so big. Yeah. Um, and a lot of companies were using it mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't have financial backing in some form for an open source project that gets huge, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it either takes over your life and completely ruins yeah. your life. Um, and I've, and I've seen that happen to quite a few people, um, or, uh, or, or the project just gets abandoned yeah. and you leave everybody hanging. So, so we had to secure some sort of financial backing for yeah. it. And I was like, either we can go out and ask people for donations, mm-hmm. which is a totally acceptable approach. You know, that's what. Webpack and Babel have done like other, you know, similarly sized projects have gone out and asked for backing and they've gotten it and it's great. Um, or I thought, you know, we could spin up a business around yeah. it and, and try and buy through, you know, through our own work, uh, you know, support our families and, and then have time to work on it. So that's, yeah. that's the model that we're pursuing is, uh, by offering training around react, uh, we can, you know, keep working on open source and keep, keep this stuff alive and maintain it. Awesome. Have you found that that kind of feeds back into the business as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So a lot of people will, uh, they'll show up on the, on the open source code and they'll be like, Hey, you know, like, thanks for working on this. And well, I mean, maybe, maybe in the earlier days it, it did a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, it felt like when the community was smaller, when mm-hmm. there were like, everybody was on the react router repo, like everybody was in the issues and we were yeah. talking through things and we, we, I feel like we were all learning react together. Um, and so, you know, you'd have people show up who were adopting it, who, you know, we would have like a little bit of back and forth with them. And then 
I think I think probably uh, we've at least gotten a few workshops because of uh, you know the fact that we work on the router. But but nowadays it's more just kind of like a it's kind of more just like a tagline. You, yeah. you know, like we you know do React training. Oh, and by the way, we built React Router. Yeah. Um, so it's it's but it's not it's not it, nowadays. I'll show up for a workshop, and it's not like these people have been in the React Router issues, mm-hmm. you know, and working on it. But it's like they'll you know they're familiar with the router because they're using it at work. They've been they've seen the docs, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it does it does feedback into the business. I mean, I was just at uh, I did a workshop uh, just this week at American Express in Phoenix. And, uh, and a lot of their developers were like, Hey, you know, we'd love to hear about the router from, you know, the person who built the router. So yeah. that was, that was pretty fun, you know, That's to awesome. kind of be there and like be able to tell them about the thing that I'd made. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I was at a conference just this last week and, uh, Lori Voss of NPM, yep. uh, was, was showing a bunch of charts and graphs and talking about kind of the, the rise and fall and, and takeover and death of all of these open source libraries yeah. based on based on the stats that they have mm-hmm. of, from NPM installs. And he was talking specifically about the router and kind of how it has this kind of paired success with React and how mm-hmm. like the, the, the graphs are very similar after mm-hmm. it was announced, how that kind of they helped each other kind of take off. And I found that I found that really interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it really is crazy. Like um I mean it's kind of it, and this may be a terrible analogy, but I feel like Express, like everyone installs Express yeah. who has ever like used a node. Yeah. And I feel like React Router is almost like kind of like the Express to to node of of React. Like it's a, it just gets used a lot. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how big the library is um, and how big the install base is. Um, I, I remember, uh, you know, kind of doing the math myself at one point, uh, you know, and figured, I I think it was at the first React Conf, we figured that about two thirds of uh, people who, who installed React were also installing React Router. And, and I think it's, I don't know, I don't know the numbers today, but I know it's probably not too far off. It's probably very similar. And, and there was definitely an inflection point for React, uh, which was, uh, when, when we released React Router. Um, Mm. and I think, I think what changed for people was instead of, you know, instead of just building a view or a, you know, a component in React, uh, what the router let you do was actually build a whole site in React, you yeah. know, and, and, um, you know, it, uh, that's what a good router lets you do. And, and, and now you, you've tied the URL to the page content and we were just, honestly, we were just taking our cues from Ember. Ember yeah. had a really good router back in the day and we were just taking our cues from them. Yeah, that was a really hot topic at the time because mm-hmm. I feel like they were driving the uh, innovation of how yeah. a a client-side router could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seemed like everyone else was just kind of like copying them. But like React at the time was just Vue. Like we mm-hmm. only do the, the Vue stuff. They said that, yeah. yeah. I, I think they undersold themselves. But yeah, they Agreed. said Agreed. they said we're the V and the MVC. And I yeah. was like, eh, you guys are more than that. It's <laughs> um, a very... Under promise, over deliver. Yeah, which statement. is, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna do it, like, yeah. do that. Yes. You know? under promise and over deliver. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, but but yeah, the like I say, the router was the thing that kind of took it as to more of you know, it, it's not just the V now. It's like it could it could potentially be your whole app. Yeah, you know, the router very specifically makes it takes it from just the view to being able to construct a whole application, yeah. and it's you know because you can get really far with set state. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms mm-hmm. of state management, or mm-hmm. if you have a good API, just fetch mm-hmm. the API, but you still need to be mm-hmm. able to kind of control, like 
re-navigate to routes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and the router X itself is actually pretty small. Like it's, it's just a set of react components. Um, you know, we're, 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 we didn't, we didn't, I mean, our, our first versions, we had kind of a lot of our own API. Um, but, uh, you know, to your point, you can actually go quite far with just components. And in fact, the router is just a set of react components yeah. at this point. I think yep. once we figured out how to really use react components, um, we looked at our API and we thought, you know, we could just do this whole thing with just react components. Yeah. And it, it was funny though, Michael, because <laughs> when we released react router version four last year, I think it was like January, February last year, uh, 2017, um, we would tell people it is just components. Yeah. And everybody was like, no, this is ridiculous. Like, how can I, how can I do everything with just components? We got a lot of backlash, Yeah, yeah. a lot of backlash. Like even from, even from people who were like, you know, at, at Facebook, like yeah. not, not a lot of the people that, that I, you know, really, uh, you know, respect and admire. We actually got a lot of positive feedback from, sure. you know, people like Sebastian and Dan, which was great. Um, but there were, there were some other people there and there, there were some other people, you know, in the community who were like, this is ridiculous. Like you can't just do everything with, with react components. Um, you know, how are you going to manage the scroll position and how are you going to do, you know, and, and I think as a community collectively, hopefully we've gotten over that. And cause you see people doing all sorts of things with components now. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I saw, um, I saw, uh, Merrick Christensen mm-hmm. last year doing like, I mean, at React Rally, remember he was like, like parsing, like, uh, oh, right. Maybe yeah, he was writing like editor. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With, with React components. Right. So like, yeah, you can, you can do anything you want with a React component, mm-hmm. but I think at the, at the time, even just last year, it was kind of a radical notion that like the router is just going to be a set of components. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, because, it, because you still have other React libraries like, uh, you know, like, um, like Relay, for example, that mm-hmm. is not just com- React components. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about how uh, kind of React and the router, it was kind of this, for everyone involved, this period of learning and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. And that V4 API um, was really interesting because it did kind of push the boundaries on like, can we just do this in components? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also it pushed um, it pushed co- like composition in React to the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. That, that discussion of like, how do we mm-hmm. compose... Uh, different components together in React, mm-hmm. um, and that was um, obviously a strong, um, a strong showing for the you know render props or function as children mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, which eventually ended up being kind of the basis of the context uh, API, at least yeah. the, the public side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like there's a lot kind of going on at that time that kind of all coalesced into like this kind of mindset of components only being a really good way to write react apps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and the react team themselves have uh have uh have have kind of led the way a lot in this too. I feel like I feel like our work has kind of informed some of what they're doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the the context API is is derived from uh from some work that I had done on a library called React Broadcast, mm. which had a very very similar API, just you would give a value prop to your your broadcast component essentially and then you would have a subscriber that would get that value out with a render prop yeah. and can use it to render stuff and that was an API that that I developed specifically for React Router to get around the mm. should component update problem right. um, with the old context API 
Um, and so that, you know, that was an idea that, that, uh, that made it right back into react core itself, which was, it's, it's just cool to see how, like, I guess, you know, an idea from the community can make it back and influence core. React. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, you mentioned unpackage earlier. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So unpackage is, uh, unpackage is, is this interesting thing. I honestly didn't, uh, well, for people who may not know, uh, unpackage is, uh, it's, it, it is a CDN for everything on NPM. Um, the, the genesis of unpackage is kind of a funny, uh, it's kind of a funny topic actually, because, um, <laughs> I, I really didn't want to make my own CDN. Like I, I just wanted, so people, so you didn't this, wake up one morning and, yeah, think, and be like, oh, I know what I want to do. Yeah. So people were showing up on the React Router repo and saying, uh, hey, can you guys just publish a global build of React Router? Yeah. And I was like, who uses global builds? That's dumb. Everybody just uses Webpack and da, 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 and just call it a day, right? And uh, But, you know, these people were using global builds and script tags. And, and so I was like, okay, fine. We should, have a, we should have a UMD build of React Router available somewhere. Um. And, uh, and so I went to look at CDNJS, which at the time was like the big CDN still is, they, they serve an insane amount of traffic. And, uh, and I was like, okay, so how can I get something committed to CDNJS? So I went and I cloned the repo and the repo took me, it, it took me about 25, oh. 30 minutes to clone just oh. because, and, and I realized I was like, why am I, why is this taking me 30 minutes to clone? <laughs> Because everything that every file that is on the CDN is in the repo. Re- every version too? Yes. Every version cool. of every file that is on the CDN is in the repo. And so I was like, uh, so I was, I was literally cloning everything that you could get on CDNJS. So you, so you clone everything and then you would add like a specific build? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so after I had cloned it, like, you Mm -hmm. know, I went and had some lunch and then came back and (laughs) the clone was done. So then I was like, okay, so I'm going to add my react router build to CDNJS. Right. So I went and built the router. Um, I checked out a branch. So checking out a branch on a repo of that size takes about two minutes. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So I, so I checked out a branch. I was like, okay, the branch is checked out, add my file, make my commit. And then, uh, and then I submitted a PR to CDNJS and, uh, and you know, they showed up and they were like, I, I, I forget even the details right now, but there was something wrong with my PR Okay. and, and I felt like it was super nitpicky, right? Sure. Like they were just like, oh, you need to da, 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 da. And I was like, really? Because essentially what you're telling me now is I need to go and spend like another three minutes just so I can check out that branch so I can like make that edit that needs to happen and yeah, then repush yeah. my PR. Like it was just so heavy and, and unwieldy yeah. and, and hard to work with. And so I was like, I was like, you know what? I said, we're already publishing the UMD build as part of our NPM package. Mm-hmm. It's already in our NPM package. Cause a lot of the, the reason we included it in our NPM package is because some people were, um, some people would, would install uh, you know, npm install React Router, and then they would uh, they would go and grab the UMD build from in from inside sure, the sure. package, and and put it in their HTML. So I was like, you know, we're already distributing it there. Um, why do, like why can't we just get it from npm? And I and I was honestly I was I was uh, I was kind of surprised that you couldn't just get any file 
off of NPM, right, like yeah. over HTTP. I yeah. was like, you know, they, they, they'll give you the tarball mm-hmm. and they'll give you the metadata, but they don't give you a way to access individual files inside yep. a package. And so I was like, well, like, shouldn't be too hard to just build a little <laughs> proxy. You know, I mean, that's what Node is for. Yeah, Node yeah. is for, it, it, it really excels at that, at building little proxy servers. So this was literally in an airport um, while I was just waiting for my flight. I hacked together this little proxy in about an hour and I put it up. Uh, I bought a domain, npmcdn.com mm-hmm. is how it was originally put up. And this was probably about three and a half years ago, like maybe the first year that we were working on the router. So I bought npmcdn.com and I put up this little node app uh, on Heroku. And, uh, and I, I remember like tweeting it out, telling people about it. And, uh, and I just said, you can, you can use any URL you want, like just plug in the package name and the version number and you'll get the file. And then somebody tweeted me back and they're like, dude, like, why don't you have a homepage that can at least like tell me how to (laughs) use it? it. And I was like, oh yeah, I should probably have a homepage (laughs) on there. So, uh, so I put up, a, so I threw up a little homepage that, that it kind of described how to use it. I remember like panicking cause I was like about to get on my flight. And so I was like, Oh, I'll put up a homepage. So I put up a little homepage and pushed that. I mean, um, I think even today it's still, it's still just that page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still just that. I mean, I've added a little bit a to the page, things, but it's, but it's still just that yeah, page yeah. pretty much. Um, and, uh, and so I put that up and I honestly thought like this, this thing will just be sort of for those couple of weirdos who want to like load it from the UMD bundle. And I say weirdos lovingly because they, you know, they were using the router and and I'm just teasing, but, but anyway, that's what, that's what I thought is like, this will just be for the very small group that loads things over, you know, using script tags. Um, and, uh, and then like the downloads started to increase, you know, and, and I was like, huh, maybe, Maybe more people. Maybe are there's using, a lot of weirdos out there. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> maybe they're not so weird. Maybe they're maybe they're actually like the majority of planet Earth, and maybe the people who are using Webpack are weirdos, you know, maybe and, and I'm modules the and everything. Exactly. And uh, and it just kind of kept going. And you know, I looked at the, I looked at you know, I look at it today. You know, last month we did nine billion whew, hits. 9 billion downloads. So there are nine. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and it's being used by like, there were, there were almost, uh, so there were like 800 million unique IPs accessing Unpackage, which is kind of a large chunk of humanity. It it sounds like that could be even more like people than just the number of IP addresses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, definitely. Definitely. Right. So yeah. So whenever you have, uh, you know, you have some network address translation that's going on, so you can have many IPs Mm -hmm. or many people actually sitting behind the same IP is what you're getting at. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's, it's hard to tell how many actual, uh, people it has that are, that are using, obviously the number of developers is a lot smaller, but they're working on some pretty large sites apparently because we're getting a lot, a lot of traffic, uh, through to unpackage. And so, you know, as I worked on it more and, uh, and, and, you know, I've done some maintenance on it over the years. Um, Cloudflare, by the way, I have to give a huge shout out to them has stepped in in a big way and, uh, they've just sponsored us from day one. They were just like, you know, you guys are doing some awesome work. We want to sponsor you guys. So they hooked us up with a, with a free enterprise account. And when I say us, I'm really just me. (laughs) I don't know why I always talk in the we, but it's, I've I've been working on it. Um, that's the entrepreneur in you talking. Yeah, exactly. We're doing some big stuff. My big old team. Huge work going on. Exactly. 
and uh, Heroku as well has been awesome. So they've uh, they've you know sponsored us on the back end the, for the Origin servers, um, and uh, you know and and it's grown and and it's people are starting to do some really cool stuff with it. You yeah. know, last year I had a little demo at React Rally where I introduced this uh, this feature onto Unpackage, which let you load modules. Okay. From the browser, right? So modules in the browser are a relatively new thing. And I yeah. think they're still fa- fairly buggy and slow. Um, but you can actually have an import statement in your JavaScript. You can import, uh, you know, import some module name from uh, a URL and it will work. The browser will actually go and fetch that file for you and and download the code and, and execute it. Crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. The future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels <laughs> like the future. Yeah. And, um, and so I demoed this, this feature and it was only available in, uh, I think the latest like Chrome Canary at that, at React Rally last year, here we are a year later and it's available in a lot more browsers. Obviously you can use, uh, web, they call them web modules in, in, in the browser. Um, and I demoed a feature about a year ago that, that essentially downloaded all of D3, uh, using web modules. And, and, you know, if you trace the D3, uh, request graph back, it turns out that it, it was it was something like seven hundred different modules, <laughs> like seven hundred different HTTP requests. Crazy. Um, but I did it over the conference Wi-Fi at React Rally, and it actually loaded the page and it worked. Wow. Um, which was yeah, which was pretty cool at the time. And I was thinking, uh, you know, at the time I was just like, like there has to be something here, you know, yeah. there has to. And and since then. I've seen quite a few other tools come out. So like the Polymer team, for example, um, that's, that's their story yeah. for, for how they, how you deploy software in, mm-hmm. in Polymer is you use web modules yeah. and, uh, you know, you don't, they, they, they don't really go the Webpack route as yeah. far as I can tell. I haven't used a lot of Polymer, but that's, and, and they're loading all, a lot of code on webcomponents.org. Uh, just using modules, they're loading a lot of it from Unpackage, um, and so it's it's kind of this movement where I'm starting to think, well, maybe it's not just for weirdos. Maybe like, uh, you know, it's actually maybe it's actually the right way to do something. I mean, because when you think about HTML, and sorry, I feel like I'm talking way too much. No, no, no. The the API for building a web app is you build a you build an HTML page, mm-hmm. right? And and you put some script tags in it, and you put some style tags in it, and and, uh, you know, we kind of got away from that when, when we started using build tools mm-hmm. and I don't want to sound like some old fogey, like reminiscing for the old days. Cause I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm looking towards the future here, but I'm, I, I do think that that is a great API for building stuff. Yeah. You know, we, you can say, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually very, very sad that the HTML imports, uh, spec died because I think that was a great way to build stuff as well. Right. You mm-hmm. can where you can declare things right in HTML and say, here's what my application needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and HTML is currently treated as kind of like a second class citizen in, at least in my opinion, in, in a lot of, uh, in a lot of apps these days, it's, yeah. it's kind of just like the byproduct or the artifact of what you, you know, you generate some HTML eventually, but, but you don't really like look at it or understand it yep. or, or use it in your programming. Um, but I, I think it's, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think it's important because it is, it is literally the entry point for your app. So anybody who's coming into, you know, development for the first time, or maybe even you've been here for a while and you just want something that you can understand a little bit easier. 
Um, that's a, a, a nice straightforward way to get into building an app mm-hmm. is to write an HTML page. Okay. Now I need, now I need some interactivity. Yep. Now I need some JavaScript here. Um, why can't I just put a script tag, you know, instead and, of treating it like a, like an artifact, like a side effect. And it goes back to kind of how, how we both got into it. Like just putting a Perl script in your CGI bin or putting a PHP P file up there. Yeah, it does. It, it does. It seems like a better progressive path for someone who's, uh, just kind of coming onto the scene today yeah. to start with a little bit of HTML. Like you said, I want some interactivity, be able to use React, like use the module, just like all the tutorials show, but without yeah. having to have this huge kind of behemoth knowledge of how modern applications are built and served yeah. and, and all yeah. that. So so the so the really cool thing that we have now that we didn't have back then was we have modules in JavaScript, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, there's this problem with, you know, how do I get dependencies on the page? So I can import my own script pretty easily, but how do I get dependencies on the page? And so that's where I feel like Unpackage could be really useful to somebody who's developing, you know, with a, if they're, if they're using HTML and they're using JavaScript modules today, Mm -hmm. um, how are you going to get, you know, your dependencies on the page? Well, you can either stick, uh, you, you know, if, if you're not using so first of all, if you're not using modules, you can load your UM, you know, the UMD bundle of React, for example, from uh, from Unpackage from the React, uh, and they've got uh, install instructions on their on their website. You can uh, install the UMD bundle of React, or if you are using uh, modules, uh, web modules, you can use an import statement. You can mm-hmm. use a script type equals module, and just use an import right there in your HTML file, and import uh, the files that you need. So it's it's kind of interesting actually because React. Uh, right now, they only ship two builds. They only ship yeah. CommonJS mm-hmm. and UMD. Um, so you can't actually load React using uh, an ES module, uh, uh, using the browser's sure. native like yep. import statement. Um, I've been kind of hounding them about it for a while. <laughs> I, I think we'll get it in there eventually. But um, but uh, but but that's a you know that's a that's a really viable strategy for building something. If, yeah. And if that is the right API, couldn't we start with that API? And then work from there to get all of the cool stuff that we've got today, right? Because right. I know some people are rolling their eyes thinking like, oh, but this is so inefficient and he's ignoring sure. bundling and code splitting and, da, 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 and all the cool stuff that we can do these days. And I, and I know we can do all of that cool mm-hmm. stuff. Why don't we start with that API mm-hmm. and then do all that cool stuff? Yeah, You know, that, like, why don't we start with an API that's not a config file? Yes. <laughs> you know? So that sounds like an exciting future. Do you have anything else that you wanted to mention that we hadn't talked about yet? No, man, I'm good. Good? Yeah, I'm good. Let's get <laughs> so, some tacos. Uh, so last question, you started this, uh, this trend, but um, what uh, projects are you excited about or people uh, you follow in that are doing great work? So I have to give, uh, uh, I mean, this is an old project that a lot of people know about, but I have to give a huge shout out to uh, Henry Zhu, and uh, the Babel team, Logan yeah. Smythe, all those guys—they're—they're they're doing uh, incredible work. And it's—it's it's just not the—the the way that the JavaScript community is supporting them is just not enough right now. Um, and for how much gets used? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It—it yeah. is—it yeah. is JavaScript yes. basically at this point. And some—and again, people are going to roll their eyes at that too. But it is like you use it. We all do. We all use it. I mean, right. it, that's something that. 
I mean, the developers of the, the language, like the language yeah. is moving forward because yeah. people can test these yep. features. Yep. In production yep. using using Babel. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's such a huge part of the language. And Henry is devoting himself full time to working on that project. So, if you have any way of uh, of you know pulling some strings at the company that you're working at to get them some extra funding, I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. They yep. they uh, they really need it, and and most of all, they deserve it. It's uh, it's such a valuable project for all of us. Yeah. Um, other stuff that I'm uh, excited about, I'm particularly excited about, um, I'm really excited about the work that uh, Sebastian and Andrew are doing with uh, with Suspense. And I'm hoping that it's going to yeah. drop this fall at yeah. uh, React Conf. And, and again, that's something that's... I, I, it's, it's, it's not really like a secret uh, or anything that they've been working on it, but it's... Um, I think it's going to change a lot of things. I agree. Yeah. I think it's going to change a lot of things. Just the ability to, uh, you know, we, we talk about co-location mm-hmm. of uh, code, right? And and React sort of co-located a lot of things for us. We got our state right there. We got our markup right there. Um, you know, you've got your click handlers, whatever, right there in the same component. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and suspense, I think, is going to allow us to co-locate even more so we can co-locate things like, uh, you know, fetches uh, for code and fetches for styles and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, lots of all sorts of async things, Mm -hmm. uh, that we can co-locate right there with our markup, which, you know, I I was having dinner the other day with, uh, I was having dinner the other day with, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Walk, the, the, uh, creator of React up in Seattle. He actually took me out to this really nice steakhouse. It was amazing. Which one? Um, it was called uh, Metropolitan Grill. Okay. On Second in nice, Seattle. Nice. Oh my gosh, dude! I walked in the fr- I walked in the door and there was like pictures of, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and like President Bush and like President Clinton, like all the you know all these celebrities <laughs> yeah, and famous yeah. people are up on the wall and I'm just like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, and I anyway, I had dinner with uh, with uh, with Jordan and um, he was he was you know I was asking him I was like, what do you think is you know kind of the ideal API for, you know, for data loading. And he's like, I just want to, I would just want to declare my data right there, just right there in the markup yeah. where it's needed. You yep. know, I, I don't want to put it somewhere else, not even, not even in a different place in the same component or in a different file. You know, I just want to put it right there. Yep. And, um, and it kind of clicked for me. I was like, you know, that's exactly what I feel like suspense is going for. They're, mm-hmm. they're putting, uh, they're putting the, yeah, just putting the putting that, basically declaring that dependency uh, right there in line. So I'm really excited about that. Really excited to see what what uh, comes comes out of that. But um, but again, those guys already have plenty of money. They're working at Facebook. So if you've got money, go go support Babel. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Michael. It's always a pleasure talking with yeah, you. Dude. Excited to hear about the the future of uh, what Unpackage uh, could be for us and um, the projects you're excited about. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on my podcast. (laughs) On the podcast. It was fun. 